0: Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Brothers and sisters, if you would please open your Bibles and turn them to Matthew chapter 5. If you would... Also rise as we honor the public reading of God's word, looking at Matthew chapter 5,'ll be reading verses 1 through 12 here this morning, Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 12. Please give your attention to the reading of God's holy Word. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them saying, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thus far the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord once again in prayer. Oh, Father, as we do consider this passage where the Lord Jesus Christ opens up his very famous Sermon on the Mount and pronounces the blessings on those who are a part of the kingdom, Lord, we do pray that you would give us clarity of thought, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear the words which are spoken, that we might see the wonderful blessings of the kingdom and that we might be given the grace to endure whatever suffering comes our way in such a way that our lives are seen in the descriptions of those who could be called the citizens of the kingdom. Lord, we do pray that you would grant us this, that we would honor you in all that we do, and that we would look with deep longing for the the consummation of the kingdom of God. And Father, may it even be that through this word preached that our hearts would be lifted up so to long for that kingdom all the more. For we do ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. amen. In First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, Paul says this. He says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So Paul says this, if, if we only have hope in this life, then we are above all else most to be pitied. Now, why is this the case? Why is it the case that if we only had hope in this life, then we're more to be pitied than any other man? It is because very often life is difficult. Very often the Christian life in particular is difficult. The Christian life could be described as, even though we do have numerous and great blessings that we partake of now, the Christian life can be described as a life of deferred blessing, a life of waiting for blessings which are going to come in the future. If in this life we only had the blessings of this life, and on top of that had the great amounts of suffering that is found within the Christian life, then we really are not partaking of the major and the main blessings which are found in the scriptures. And this is really what the Lord Jesus Christ is addressing as he opens up the Sermon on the Mount. He is pronouncing blessings on those who are suffering in this life and who are living godly lives anyway. But all of the blessings, all of the blessings are future oriented. They're all blessings which are going to comfort the believer in the future. If, if these blessings were not true, then we would, above all other men, be most to be pitied because we would only have uh, the first line of each of these Beatitudes. We'd be poor in spirit. We would be mourning, but we would never be comforted. We would maybe be showing others mercy, but we would never receive mercy ourselves. We would be hungry and thirst for righteousness, but there would be no sense in which we would actually receive those things. All of these things which are, that the Lord Jesus Christ is describing are descriptions of things Christians should do as they suffer and if they do those things and if they are characterized by these things, then they will in fact receive blessings in the future. Now this this means that the the, the those who are called blessed uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount is in very many ways quite surprising. Remember, in the context, Christ is is just come on the scene. He is the King who brings the kingdom uh, with his own presence, with his coming. And so the summary of his message when he, uh, in, in Matthew chapter four, the summary of his teaching ministry is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's at hand because the king himself has come. Now you would think if the king has come in the kingdom, everything that's being prophesied in the Old Testament, if all those things are coming about, then those are blessed who get to receive all of those blessings in the kingdom. However, Christ by saying those are blessed who mourn, those are blessed who are poor in spirit. He is saying that even though I have come, there is yet some kind of surprise that's happening with regard to who's blessed. It will not be the case that the kingdom will be immediately established in such a way that it removes all suffering. Even though the kingdom has come with the coming of the king, yet there is still going to be persecution. There, are, There is still going to be poverty in various ways and capacities. There is still going to be mourning. And Christ is saying it is for those who show themselves to be members of the kingdom, citizens of the kingdom, even as they await the blessings of the kingdom, before they even receive of them. It is they who will in the end be blessed. And so in many ways, then, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount fits very well with uh, our sermons on First Peter that we have been looking at. We've been going through First Peter, where Peter emphasizes the need to be godly in the midst of suffering— as you await future blessings. It's really a summary of what Jesus is saying uh, here. Even though the kingdom has come, there will be great hardships. And those who remain faithful, it is they who will partake of the blessings of the kingdom in the future. And so Jesus gives a number of Beatitudes. This is a very famous passage. You're probably familiar with it. Uh, In these Beatitudes, the way they're structured is the first line gives a description of the person who's blessed, uh, describing both the situation he's in And then also, the way in which that that person shows forth godliness in that situation. And then there is a blessing that is received in the second line. So there's a description of the person who is going to receive the blessing, and then there's the description of the blessing. And so in terms of organizing uh, this passage this morning, we're going to look at it under those two headings. So we're going to deal with all the first lines together to to paint a picture of um, the kind of person that is going to be blessed with the blessings of the kingdom. Uh, these blessings are meant to all be taken together. The description is not a description of eight different kinds of people, but one kind of person who expresses all of these things. And the blessings are not eight different blessings for eight different people, but they're rather blessings that every Christian is going to receive as he reflects these uh, various uh, uh, attributes and characteristics. And so we're going to look at uh, those two things um, together. So we're going to look at the description of those who are in Christ's and then also the blessings that those who are in Christ will receive. So now let's think of the, then about the, this first point: the description of those who are in Christ. This is particularly looking at the first lines of each uh, of the Beatitudes. So, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Who who are meek. Who hunger and thirst for righteousness, um, and all the rest. Uh, one thing that's important to recognize as we begin to look at these things is what Christ is doing here. Is he is very many, if not all of them. All of these descriptions come from Old Testament passages and themes which were spoken of uh, to give hope and consolation to those who were suffering. And so the idea of poor in spirit, the word poor is likely picking up on a theme that was uh, the idea of the poor in the Old Testament is very, very common. It always in the Old Testament meant something more than just simply poverty. Uh, those who were the blessed poor in the Old Testament were those who were poor, but also poor in spirit in the sense of being humble before God and therefore true uh, believers. Uh, Those who mourn and yet who are comforted seems to be an allusion to Isaiah chapter 61 verse one. The meek uh, inheriting the earth is almost an exact quotation of Psalm 37 verse 11, which we read earlier. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You have uh, this kind of language throughout the Psalms of of hungering and thirsting uh, for God. Uh, righteousness, I think, is is meant to be a description of the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the righteous that we've brought in through the Messianic kingdom. Those who are merciful, uh, who receive mercy, is very similar to Psalm 18, verse 25. The pure in heart is a reference to Psalm 24, uh, verse 4. In summary, what Jesus is saying is everything that the Old Testament has said as a description of those who are faithful to God— I am saying that it is those people in particular who will, in fact, be blessed. And so let us we're going to look at these in, in more detail now. So let's consider it now poor in spirit. What does poor in spirit mean? Now, this has been given a number of different interpretations over the years, Um it, it should not be taken to mean poor in the holy Spirit as in like you as in you do not have uh, the holy spirit nor do I think it is right to take this as as meaning poor with regard to spiritual things this is uh, something that um, those two uh, um, interpretations would be true also of every unbeliever and they're not going to receive uh, the kingdom of God one of the the uh, interpretations that was given very early in the, in the church, in the ancient church and, and through the medieval church, was the idea of being humble. The idea is poor in spirit means that you are poor in your inner spirit. Uh, there is a, a humility before God, and that is often, it often includes outward poverty. So there's the idea of a, uh, and this is again where, this is again the way the phrase is used throughout the Old Testament. Those who are oppressed outwardly, who are poor outwardly, who have nothing outwardly that would show them to be blessed. Now, this is where there's, a great, there's great surprises all throughout the, 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 the Beatitudes. There's nothing outward that shows you to be blessed, and yet you are not only poor in terms of your material wealth, but there is a poverty in spirit whereby you are humble before God. Uh, You you do not lift yourself up. You're not like one of the the great people of the earth who are self-congratulatory. You are poor in spirit. There's nothing outwardly that would indicate that you are going to be blessed. In the eyes of the world, you're not blessed. Uh, You are above all else most to be pitied in the eyes of the world. But it is for those people that actually the kingdom of God belongs itself. Now, the second one is those who mourn. Those who mourn. Uh, and they themselves will be comforted. Isaiah chapter 61, verses one and two describe the, the, the coming of the Messiah in this way, that he comes uh, to bring consolation to those who mourn. Mourning is, would be related to uh, mourning over sin and all of sin's effects within the world. Uh, so everything, you, you look around and uh, you're, you see all of the effects of sin and it causes your heart a great consternation. Again, outwardly, the world would look at you and say you are to be pitied You are certainly not blessed, uh, and yet Christ says it is these people who are, in fact, blessed. The meek, as I mentioned, this is almost an exact quotation from Psalm 37, verse 11, and remember then the context as we were reading through that. The wicked are oppressing uh, the godly, they are then the the humble poor, uh, and they are being oppressed everywhere, and yet the psalmist says, in the future— It'll be you who will inherit the earth. So there is those who are going who are oppressed, who are even as they are oppressed, who are gentle, they are in this regard meek. It is these who are going to be blessed in the coming of the kingdom. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, this is the idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness would include um, a, an individual, a personal individual, hungering and thirsting after the righteousness which God gives. But it even goes beyond that. Uh, Righteousness in verse 6, in the fourth beatitude, um, is parallel with verse 10, the eighth beatitude, which speaks of being blessed for being persecuted for righteousness' sake. So their righteousness goes beyond just receiving a a particular righteousness from God. Particularly in verse 10, righteousness is in parallel with verse 11, with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So the idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness is you look around, you see that ungodliness prevails everywhere, you see in your own heart sin, and you long for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he establishes righteousness, true righteousness and justice within the earth. That is to say, you are longing for nothing less than the messianic kingdom and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, with all that that will entail. As one commentator put it, satisfied with neither personal righteousness alone nor social justice, or we could say righteousness alone, they cry for both. In short, they long for the advent of the messianic kingdom. This is what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. The next one, blessed are the merciful, the merciful. The idea of being merciful is looking with pity upon another person's situation and seeking to help that person out of that particular situation. And this is something that the godly do, those who are citizens of the kingdom, so to speak, as the Lord Jesus Christ describes them. They do that even though they themselves, as we see in the context of the Beatitudes, are often persecuted. Uh, They themselves are often in need of mercy, and yet they are showing mercy to others as those who suffer. This is a, a description of what those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, what they in fact do. Next, we have the pure in heart. The pure in heart is a description, again, coming from Psalm 24, where there is a, it's a psalm about describing who will ascend the mountain of the Lord. Very similar to uh, the Sermon on the Mount itself. The idea is here's a description of the kind of person that will be with God forever uh, in heaven described in the Old Testament language as being the mountain of God. And in Psalm 24, the description is uh, those who are pure in heart. If you are pure in heart, you will be able to ascend the mountain of the Lord to be with God forever. It's a description of someone whose heart is fully seeking God, so not just in, in terms of outward actions, but the heart is fully engaged to be with, with God. And there is no uh, there is no glaring hypocrisy. There's no area of life that you've said, I will not obey the Lord Jesus Christ in this particular area, but the heart is fully given uh, over to God. The next description is peacemakers. Peacemakers, those who are blessed in the kingdom, are described as those who bring peace. Both peace in terms of their relationship to other people Uh, They are those who are are not contentious, do not cause divisions, who seek for reconciliation with their brothers and sisters, but also those who carry the gospel of peace so that men can be reconciled with their God, which is the the true source and really the only source of ultimate peace that you can find within this life. And then the last one, the last one is those who are persecuted, which brings uh, all of this to uh, making explicit the situation that the Lord Jesus Christ is describing. Even though the kingdom of God has come with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again and the kingdom is consummated, even even though we as a church are an expression of the kingdom of God, there will still be persecution and there will continue to be persecution until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. Now, as with Peter... All throughout 1 Peter, so too it's true here. It is important the way in which you suffer. It's something we said over and over again with the sermons in 1 Peter. It's important uh, that you suffer in a way that's godly. You, As you suffer, you actually need to be merciful, pure in heart, and a peacemaker. You, you truly need to hunger and thirst for righteousness, even as the wicked oppress you. It does matter the way in which you suffer, which is why then, as the Lord Jesus Christ ends in verse 10, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you if your faithfulness to the cause of Christ leads others to oppose you for that reason. And in And even as that happens, you continue to maintain your faith in God and you continue to re- maintain your faithfulness to him now this last one is expanded in verses 11 and 12 it's the the fullest description of uh, what it means to be to be blessed and again it's quite surprising we would not typically think of those who are hunted as those who are blessed and the reason they're blessed is because there is a def- deferred blessing that's going to come. It's not in this life in particular. But notice there is the expansion in verse uh, 11 and 12 where this, these things are emphasized further. Blessed are you when they revile you. Up to this point, the Beatitudes the have been a description of people in general. Blessed are those people who do this. In verse 11 and 12, there's a shift particularly to you, Uh for emphasis and to show the importance of this particular blessing. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Suffering for the sake of righteousness is the same as suffering for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you as the prophets were blessed though they suffered in this life so too you will be blessed if you suffer in this life in this way now i recognize as i've gone through these that i've gone through them very quickly uh, but it's important to get a, a holistic sense of the kind of person that the lord jesus christ is describing these are not meant to be taken in piecemeal these are something that these are things that every christian is to exemplify within their lives. Every single Christian is to be poor in spirit, seeking after righteousness, merciful, a peacemaker, uh, and all the rest. This is a a general description of the Christian. And so, brothers and sisters, as we take a step back and look at the description uh, as a whole of those who could be called citizens of the kingdom, their citizens are the ones to whom the kingdom itself belongs. The first question to ask is, is this you? Is this a description of you? Not, is it a description of you perfectly? Uh, the, the you know There's always the need for mercy. As it's said uh, in one of the Beatitudes, you are to be merciful, and if you're merciful, you will yourself obtain mercy because you need mercy because of your sin. Uh, it's not to say that you're doing these things perfectly, but is this a description of you? Do you live faithfully enough for the gospel that the world opposes you in this way? Or do you compromise with the world so that you do not look quite like these things, and because you don't look quite like these things, the world no longer finds you offensive? Do you find yourself at home in the world, content with the blessings of this life, or do you live in such a way that shows forth that what Paul has said is true, that if it was only this life that you had, you'd be above all else most to be pitied, because— you often have to forego many of the blessings of this life as you live out the Christian faith in a way that's faithful to God himself. Is this a description of you? Remember here, remember here, even though the Lord Jesus Christ has come and and the kingdom has come with him, the surprising thing is, with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has shown that the way of the kingdom is the same as the way of the cross itself. The way of the Lord Jesus Christ as the coming King was not the way to instant glory and blessing and peace, but the way of blessing within the kingdom was in fact the way of the cross. Are you you pursuing the blessings of this life out of a desire to avoid the persecution of the cross? Or are you being faithful to, to Christ by taking up your own cross and following him and looking for the blessings that are going to come in the life to come. And are you doing these things while being humble and mourning over sin and all of its effects, longing for the return of Christ, showing mercy to others, being fully devoted to God and making peace wherever you go? This is what it means to live a life within the kingdom of God. It is a life of deferred blessing. It is a life of deferred blessing, something that was not immediately seen in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many thought with the coming of of Christ, it would be instant glory, but it is not to be so as the Lord Jesus Christ describes the kingdom here. The way of the kingdom is the way of the cross. Now, secondly, then, there are a number of blessings that are attached. We're going to look in more detail at the blessings. As I mentioned, every one of these blessings is future-oriented. All of them are related to the coming of the kingdom, not with the first coming of Christ, but with the second coming of Christ. It's related ultimately to the consummation of the kingdom. Now, again, there are ways in which we can say that the kingdom has already come. We ourselves, as the the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, are an expression of the kingdom according to the scriptures. And yet, like those in the Old Testament, we are waiting for another city. We have not yet obtained the blessing. Remember how this works in Hebrews chapter 11. There are all those descriptions and part of the of, of the various uh, great saints of the Old Testament and part of what's said about each one of them is they didn't receive the blessings. All of these died in faith, not having received the things which were promised to them. Now, that is still true for us, even though the Lord Jesus Christ has come. We will die unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes before we die. We will die not having received the, the blessings as they come we will die in faith looking to the, the the full consummation of all these blessings when the Lord Jesus Christ returns Now the second thing to, to notice about these blessings is that they are um, related to the description of the faithful Christian so such that those who mourn, they're, they are those who mourn, therefore, that what they need is being comforted, and that's in fact the blessing that they receive. There's a connection between the the, the description, each each description of the Christian, and then the particular blessing that goes along with that, such that um, God perfectly makes up for whatever sufferings you go through in this life as you are faithful to Him by rewarding you in the life to come, such that you really lose nothing as a citizen of the kingdom. Though in this life, your life be one of complete suffering, you ultimately lose nothing because God will so tailor even the blessings that you receive that that every point of disadvantage you received in this life will be turned to an advantage. Every point of cursing will be turned to blessing on the last day. So look with me then in, with more detail. We'll go very quickly through uh, each of these blessings that are given. Notice that the Beatitudes begin and end with a description of those to whom the kingdom of God belongs, showing that this is really the great uh, theme of the the entire thing. This is a, a great teaching on who belongs in the kingdom of God and to whom belongs the kingdom of God. And this is particularly given to those who are poor in spirit and to those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. If this is you, you are part of the humble poor who is being uh, oppressed and afflicted by others if you, if you are being persecuted for the sake of Christ and you're considered to be not blessed in this world it is particularly you to you uh, who belongs the kingdom of god the kingdom of god is in fact yours now as i mentioned with those who are are with those who mourn they themselves will receive comfort this is again what in the prediction of the Messiah, this is what will happen. Um, In Isaiah chapter 61, verses one and two, the Lord Jesus Christ is anointed with oil, anointed with the spirit in particular, uh, to preach the gospel, to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring comfort to those who are afflicted and to those who mourn. And this is what will happen. There is a sense in which the Lord Jesus Christ does this now, but ultimately, ultimately, this is pointing to the time when the Lord Jesus Christ will wipe away every tear from every eye, at uh, the at his uh, return from heaven. Now the th- the third one saying the meek shall inherit the earth. Again, this is almost an exact reference to Psalm 37. And as we were reading that, you may have noticed that the idea of inheriting the earth in Psalm 37 uh, or inheriting more particularly in the Old Testament inheriting the land um, had to do with inheriting the promised land of Canaan. Over and over in Psalm 37, that's that's the refrain. The wicked may oppress you. They may seem to be rich. They may seem to have all of the control and the power. But you don't need to fear them because it is always the meek, the righteous, those who fear God. They are the ones who will inherit the land on the last day. They will inherit the land. And as I mentioned, this is particularly speaking of the promised land, the land of Canaan. But that in and of itself was meant to be a picture of the reception of the new heavens and the new earth. The idea of the of the promised land was that's the land where God is. And, I, and God is saying that if you fear God, you will get to dwell with God in the land that God has provided for those very purposes. And so because of that, in the New Testament, then, there is this um, expansion or full explanation uh, of that type in the Old Testament. It's not just that you will receive the promised land, a, a s- small bit of land— Where God will dwell, but it is in fact that you will receive the entire world. You'll receive the entire world, and God will dwell there with you. Uh, This is what it means to inherit the earth. It's in many ways synonymous with yours being the kingdom of God, just seen from a different angle. Being filled with righteousness, and I mentioned, is associated with the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, with his coming, where there is a righteousness given to you perfectly, uh, you hunger and thirst for this righteousness, and then you are filled by God. God himself grants you the righteousness that, the righteousness that you so seek, and it and it. and there is coming a, a point in time when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, when all of these things will be true in a perfect sense. The righteousness associated with the coming of the king, which is prophesied all over the Old Testament, will in fact come to pass such that uh, there will be no longer any effects of sin anywhere, and we will in fact be filled With righteousness. Uh, Being shown mercy, you are merciful to others. God himself then will show you mercy on the last day. This is again pointing us to the end of time. Uh, The the blessing that will be yours on the last day is that though you deserve judgment, if your sins were considered in and of themselves, God will be merciful to you because you yourself have shown mercy to others, showing yourself to be a true Christian uh, as one who has received mercy from God peacemakers will be called sons of God. Son of God is a title which the Lord Jesus Christ has by right. He himself, as a son of God, became a son of man so that we who are sons of men could also be called sons of God. Uh, This is particularly related to uh, kingship in the Old Testament. the, The king the coming Messianic King was to be the Son of God. And yet here with the coming of the kingdom, not just are we citizens of the kingdom, but we even get the title of uh, Son of God like the King himself who was with the Father from all eternity. And so all of these things are the blessings that the Lord Jesus Christ described. And as I said, all of them point forward to a, a another time that will not ultimately be realized within this life. If it is in this life only that we have hope, then we are above all people most to be pitied. Now, what this means then, if all of these things are coming in the future, the only real way to be able to live the Christian life well is to have your eyes open to the glory of these blessings, which are going to come in the future. There's not a great amount of consolation in this life. The consolation is what's going to come in the next life. Now you are asked to bear the cross. There are great blessings that you have. There's great intimacy and fellowship that you have with God, but you experience that now in the context of suffering. And even as the Lord Jesus Christ says here, even with his coming and the coming of the kingdom, there is really no guarantee of anything else except that this life will be a life of suffering. And the blessings that you are to receive are to be blessings that you will receive uh, in the future. They are not the blessings uh, of this life. And so if you cannot see the blessings of the kingdom for what they are, if you, if, if these things do not warm your heart to think about uh, the blessings that are going to be yours in the life to come, then there simply is no, there can be no foundation for true godly or Christian living uh, within this life, we are to suffer well in this life, knowing the blessings that are to come for us uh, in the future. And this is really seen um, first and foremost with the Lord Jesus Christ, particularly in His resurrection from the dead. This is uh, the 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 time when the blessings of the kingdom are in fact inherited. Now, this is when. Uh, the creation recognizes us to be sons of God when it's revealed that we are the sons of God. This is where uh, we, in fact, see God with our eyes. Job had spoke of looking to the time when he will see uh, his Redeemer. With his own eyes, he'll see him. Psalm 17 speaks uh, of the same But it's in the resurrection that that will be true. It's in the resurrection that the kingdom will be consummated. It's in the resurrection that the earth will be inherited. It's in the resurrection that we will, in fact, be comforted. And all of these things are things that Christ Himself received in His own resurrection. His resurrection is the beginning of the fulfillment of all of the blessings of the kingdom of God. And so, our lives, then, as the Lord Jesus Christ is explaining it here, is to be patterned off of the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed are those, if you wanted to simplify it, blessed are those who bear the cross of Christ well, because they will be raised up on the last day, even as Christ himself bore the cross well and was raised up on the third day. Our lives are to be patterned after that of the Lord Jesus Christ, who did not receive any of the blessings in this life. If you are faithful, if you are faithful, as John says in the book of Revelation, if you are faithful, if you are faithful unto death, then you will be given the crown of life. And so the question is then, with as we look at these blessings as a whole, is are you seeking blessings in this life, or are you seeking them in the life to come? Are the blessings of the life to come so valuable to you that you would gladly be counted as one who mourns throughout your entire life, one who is constantly in need of mercy, who shows mercy though you need it yourself, constantly that you will gladly be counted as one who is a peacemaker and persecuted for the sake of righteousness. All these things, you gladly would be these things Because it means that you will receive the blessings of the kingdom in the life to come. Are you living such a life now because of your understanding of these blessings? Now, if as I describe these things, you realize that this is not you, that you cannot be counted as a citizen of the kingdom because you are in fact going after the blessings of this life and you have no no thought whatsoever of the blessings of the kingdom, You see, you look at your life and you see that you're not a peacemaker. You're actually a contentious person, that you uh, are not really seeking after righteousness at all. If this is not you, then turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith and repentance. Turn to him that you might become a citizen of heaven. Those who are uh, these things that the Lord Jesus Christ is describing, they are not these things because of their own efforts, but rather they are these things by grace. They are made into these things by God himself. And so if you're struggling as well, if you're, you, you see and you, you say, you know, I do really uh, desire uh, the kingdom of God to come, but I struggle. I'm not, I, I see myself not really showing mercy to others. I, I see myself not really being a peacemaker. My heart is not that pure before God. If you're struggling, then pray. Pray to the Lord Jesus Christ who grants obedience in these things and who grants grace to improve uh, in them god is the one who makes us these things so that we can be citizens we do, we do not lift ourselves up to be citizens uh, but god changes our hearts to make us citizens within this world in isaiah chapter 66 verse 2 something very similar uh, very similar to the uh, the Sermon on the Mount is said with regard to the blessings of those uh, who are suffering in this life. And even in Isaiah 66 in particular, the context of this whole section, and particularly in verse 2, is the context of the new creation, uh, the new creation which will be promised, which is being promised in, in this section of Isaiah to all those who are faithful to God. Isaiah 66 verse 2, Isaiah writes this, All these things my hands have made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit. You could say who is poor in spirit, who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Uh, even though there is suffering in this life, God is saying, I will look to the one to bless with the, all the blessings of the new creation, the one who trembles at my word and who's humble before me. This is the one who will have all of the blessings of the kingdom. If you are not marked by these things, then there is no real way that you can be assured that you have the blessings of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is the way of the cross itself. Our lives are to be patterned after the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we suffer with him, brothers and sisters, if we suffer with him in a way that's faithful to him, we will receive the kingdom on the last day and even be called sons of God. May God grant us the grace to see these blessings for what they are and so to live uh, in a way that is uh, corresponding to these descriptions that the Lord Jesus Christ makes. Let's pray. Father, how we do thank you for your word and for the teachings of, of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, very often there is a a desire in our hearts to want the blessings now or want to avoid sufferings now. But Lord, you have shown that even with the coming of the kingdom, that we must live godly lives even in the midst of suffering. Help us to do this well, O God. Help us to do this well, particularly now, as we have faced so many hardships and struggles over this year. Lord, help us to do it such that the world would look at us and see, uh, uh, even as we are persecuted in various ways, that we, we remain faithful to you because we believe in you and that you are a God of great salvation. And may it be, Lord, that even the way in which we suffer as Christians, that it would be a witness and a testimony to all, that many might come to know you. For, Lord, we do ask all this in the name of Jesus, Amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this sermon helpful, please give us a five-star review as this will help make the Word of God preached more available to others. Also, if you'd like to find out more about our church, you can visit our website at newcovopcssf.com. That's N-E-W-C-O-V-O-P-C-S-S-F.com.